great this morning seeing lots of children in the chapel. Children, really good to see you here upstairs, downstairs, surrounding uh, me here. Great to have you with us. I hope you can uh, listen the whole way through. Parents, don't worry about the odd uh, cry, a bit of restlessness here and there. Uh, we as adults are able to, to concentrate. It's just great to have the children in. It's like a real family, and in families there are children, and children make noises. But uh, may God bless your souls, children, uh, this morning. What a great hymn for sinners like me. He prayed on the tree. Through his intercession, the sinner goes free. That sinner am I, who on Jesus rely and come for the pardon God cannot deny. And a hymn like that is written out of experience and reality. We're in Luke's Gospel and chapter 3 and verses 18 through to 20. About John the Baptist then, so with many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. So, with many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. I think this is a wonderful addition and a little conclusion to the ministry of John the Baptist. We do meet him later on in uh, Luke's Gospel, but here's a little summary of the... Um, the feel and the sway of his preaching. No dry preacher was uh, John the Baptist. I mean, there'll be many preachers preaching throughout the world this morning, and there'll be some congregations subjected to a very, very dry presentation of truth. Maybe the minister doesn't even believe the things that he will be preaching, but John the Baptist was none such there was a freshness, a reality, and an urgency about all that John had to say. And it really challenged me, and so if I have a title, it would be The Urgency of the Gospel. Then, as John the Baptist was preaching, Christ is very much in the midst. They haven't recognised him yet, but he's right there. We're going to learn about his baptism. Next time I, I preach, John the Baptist will baptise Jesus Christ, heaven will be torn open, God the Father will speak and the Holy Spirit will descend upon Jesus Christ and the Son of God will carry out his earthly ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, John the Baptist is taken up with the urgency, urgent then, urgent now, it's urgent this morning, the gospel is urgent and it's always urgent. And I wonder if it's urgent to you and me. Not just to me as a preacher, but is the gospel something urgent to you? And remember that John the Baptist is preaching from a text pointing towards the judgment to come. John the Baptist is really preaching about the judgment day that is at least 2,000 years ahead of him, and who knows how long it will be before Christ returns. But it is that certain reality. Uh, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? 
the act is already at the root of the tree. And last Sunday morning, we looked at the, uh, the threshing floor. The winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. We were there last Sunday morning, the final judgment that Christ came the first time to rescue us from the wrath that is to come. And that's what it's all about. Why is the gospel urgent? Why does it concern every single human being? Because there is a judgment to come. There's a judgment between heaven and hell, based on how I've responded to Jesus Christ. But there's also a judgment for every single believer. It's called the day of Christ. I read about it there. I will give an account. Paul will give an account. John the Baptist will give an account. Every single one of you here will give an account. You listening at home, you'll give an account to Jesus Christ as to how you used the gifts and the graces he graciously gave to you to be used to his glory that others might come to know Christ. And in the light of that, John preached passionately. And what did he preach? Well, he preached the good news. So with many other exhortations, he, John the Baptist, preached good news. Although there's a judgment to come, none of us needs to go to hell. Nobody needs to be subjected to the wrath of God. My friend, the day is coming when we'll stand before Christ and he is the judge of all the earth. And if sin is in my life, then I am that chaff that's blown away and I experience unquenchable fire for the whole of eternity. But nobody needs to go that way. As the children were singing the song, I was struck by the word for shield. That uh, he is me and Jesus is my shield. And if you trusted in Jesus Christ who came and lived a perfect life for you, and died the death that you deserve on Calvary's cross, and rose again from the dead. And if you trust in Jesus Christ, then on that day, and here and now, he is your shield and your strength. He is your faithful one. He is the rock that will never, ever move. And salvation and safety is found in no one else but Jesus Christ alone. So to a watching world this morning... And to you folks here in the chapel now, children, it's for you. Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? Doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Do you understand that you're a sinner? That sinner am I, who on Jesus rely. And listen to this, children. And I come for the pardon God cannot deny. Isn't that incredible? Because Jesus said I should come to him. And if I do, he will not turn me away. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, Jesus, our salvation and our safety. And John the Baptist preached the good news. Then he points him out. He sees Jesus approaching. Oh, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And that title, Lamb of God, meant so much to the Jews. All those Old Testament sacrifices, all the hundreds and thousands of lambs that had been sacrificed on Jewish altars. They were only pictures and pointers and shadows towards the Lamb of God, who really does take away the sin of the world. But don't just make it general, my friend. Has he taken away your sin? And John the Baptist would urge people, from little children to the oldest in the congregation, he'd urge them all and every one, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because there is this great day coming. Hasn't come yet. Why? Because God is merciful. Why, why hasn't he come already? Well, I'll tell you why. Because if you're not saved yet, you'd be lost now. You'd be the chaff. So he's holding off. Why? Because you're not saved yet. And I tell you this, when the last of the elect is gathered in, that's the last thing to be established. The Bible's very clear. When the gospel has been preached as a witness to all nations, then the end will come. When the last has been gathered in, then the end will come. Are you holding up the return of Jesus Christ, little children? Is he waiting for you? Is he waiting for me? We're told to examine ourselves. Am I really in the faith? It's too important to miss out on it, to get it wrong. So I look for signs. I look for evidence in my own life. And so should you in your life. The gospel. Oh, John the Baptist preached the good news. Who to? Well, he preached it to the people. He didn't exclude anybody. Whoever came, preached to them. He preached to the crowds, he preached urgently, he preached the good news to everybody who was there. Now, here's a little challenge to you and to me. Now, I'm a preacher. Uh, I recognised early on in my Christian life that God had given me a gift to be able to speak. It was a natural thing. I wasn't naturally outgoing. I'm still not naturally outgoing, but I found I had a gift to communicate, joining a Christian union uh, in university. They put me up the front and uh, give you a testimony. And I did that and uh, speak in the open air and I, and I did that. And uh, I would uh, sweat for days before it actually came up. But I found I had a gift to be able to do that. And so I have my congregation and my congregation here this morning is, is scattered around the chapel here. And uh, some folks watching on YouTube and uh, will see the, the downloads, and, and that's, that's my congregation. But every single Christian is a preacher and a witness and a testifier to Jesus Christ. And you've got a congregation every day. Who is your congregation? Now, think about this now. You folks here in the chapel, you watching at home. I'm very limited in who I can reach. But you can reach people I have no access to. Your family is your congregation. So not just your immediate family, your extended family. They are your... I, I don't know your families, but you do. Then you think about your neighbours. Now ask yourself this question... Why do I live where I live? Now think about my own neighbours. I've got one. Burley. There he is. And if you're listening, Burley, there you are. 
But you, you live maybe you're in a, a, an estate and there are folks in your street. Why are you living where you live? We have to think with an eternal perspective. We can't just think in a narrow way. I have to ask myself, why am I living here? And you've got a ministry there for the long term because generally you're living somewhere for quite some, some time. And then think about this. Why do you have the job that you have? Is it just to make some money? You know, you are flying your aeroplane. I don't want to point people out individually. And uh, you're a, a magistrate now. And uh, uh, you're working in a factory down Rover Way. And uh, you're, you're in an office. And sometimes you drive a van. And, uh, and um, well, a teacher. Oh, he's gone out with um, Cal. But anyway, why? Why? Now, there's a temporal reason, but there is an eternal reason as well. And you are reaching people who will never meet me or never meet a preacher. And so you are there with the good news day in and day out. And for myself and my wife, we walk dogs around. Uh, dogs? Walk a dog. One dog's enough. And round the lake we go with the dog. And we meet people. Why? Why? Well, we're there to be a witness, your unique ministry. You are where you are for a purpose and to recognise that. And if we can't speak, then we live. But we ought to be able to speak as well. And so we pray for opportunities to be able to speak. And I tell you this, God, if we pray the prayer sincerely, God will give us the opportunities and who knows who is scattered around and about you. So John the Baptist preached the good news. He preached to the people. How did he preach it? Well, clearly he preached it with passion, with passion. Uh, back here in our text. Listen now again. So with many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. With many other exhortations. This isn't dry stuff from John the Baptist. He was a fearsome-looking character. Uh, I think his hair had been pretty, pretty wild. You'll say mine's going to be a bit wild around the ears. And uh, she was going to have a little attempt, but we've lent the shears to my son-in-law. Uh, but uh, I said, and I said well, I'll put a bit of product on. No, don't, don't bother doing it. And anyway, my, my hair's pretty, pretty nice and, and neat. But John the Baptist, pretty wild and camel hair and a leather belt and locusts and wild honey. But I tell you, he was passionate in his heart for the lost. So with many other exhortations. And the Greek is interesting. Many is poly. Polymers, lots of mers. Poly, many, many other. Lots, lots. He's not just a, well, they heard once. So I'll now leave it to, no, he's back and he's back. With many other exhortations. Exhortations, interesting Greek word. Parakalo. Now, I, my dad was, was Greek. I've been to, to Greece. And the word for please, parakalo. Parakalo. With many pleadings. With many pleases. Parakalo, please. An urgency. I beg, I plead, I entreat, I beseech. I don't, it's not, well, here's the gospel. It's up to you. How can anybody preach the gospel in that way? And it's up to you. It is up to you. But we do care because we do understand eternity. And if you live to be a hundred here, 
It's just a shadow, a spark, a shadow, a tale that he's told. And then you are pushed out into forever. So please, children, oldsters, parakalo, think. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's strong. He's kind. You're thirsty. You're weak. We should come to him. And if you are lost, you ask him, he will come to you. Is it wonderful? He'll take away your sin. He'll give you a clean life. You still get things wrong because in reality, we still get things wrong. We have our covering, Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to work in us and he changes us slowly but surely. And then when we die, he makes us absolutely perfect and we're with him forever. And then we get a new body. Oh, and John the Baptist preached it with much pleadings, with much passion. A minister once asked an actor, how come your theatres are full and my chapel is almost empty? How come your theatres are full and my chapel is almost empty? Oh, says the actor, we treat fiction as if it were real, but you treat truth as if it were fiction. May that challenge you and me. Oh, an actor, they get into the role. It's all fiction. They've got the script and they research it. Maybe they'll lose weight or put weight on. And they'll learn how to cry and be moved by a script and words of fiction. And they'll get awards, a BAFTA, an Oscar for the powerful performance that they give of something fictional. But here we have the eternal truth. And can we portray it as if it were fiction? As if it didn't really matter? Passion. Passion. I ask myself and I ask you, do we have any passion? I was watching a, a video clip, have you seen it yet, of the Hansforth Parish Council. Now, if you haven't seen it, it's worth looking at. Tell you some passion there about a bit of nothing bit of stuff and nonsense but you can see indignation passion they they felt about this I was watching a football match last night one team was winning 3-2 and uh, four minutes of injury time was added on and it was now the fifth minute of injury time why hasn't the ref blown his whistle I don't know then a last-minute free kick for the team losing 3-2. The ball goes over, the little tour poke, and the keeper hesitates, and the ball's in 3-3. I, I saw some passion. I saw real passion about a silly football match. They got a point in a league that's soon gone. And does it really matter? And the hobbies we can get passionate uh, about. My sister, about 20 years ago, Watched a little documentary about donkeys in Greece. And for years she sent money to donkeys in Greece. I think there's a case for donkeys in Greece. But what about an eternal soul? What about mum, dad, brother, sister, work colleagues and, and neighbours? Does, does it matter 
immortal souls and judgment to come. Jesus is the way of salvation. He is the answer to their need. And let me tell you this, he's not only the answer to their need, he's the answer to your lack of passion and my lack of passion as well. What goes wrong with you and me? Why do we cool? I'll tell you why. It's very plain. I'd love to develop it more. We take our eyes off Jesus and it goes onto the Bible or onto prayer or onto church or onto a creed or onto a confession or onto a statement of faith. And we lose sight of what the Bible and prayer and statements of faith and confessions are all about. They should point us to Jesus and a fresh, living, daily, moment by moment, real encounter with him transforms my life because he is life transforming and the passion he has comes into my heart. So when the leper comes to him, oh, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Mark says, filled with compassion, he reached out his hand and touched the leper. I am willing, be clean. And when the rich young ruler comes to him, oh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, we're told again that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Jesus, full of compassion. Jesus, strong and kind. What about you and and me, as he approaches Jerusalem, he weeps over the city. He knows what's going to happen. He feels about Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul, it's why I read the passage there in 2 Corinthians. We are convinced, says Paul, that one died for all and therefore all died. And uh, we now live to his glory. We, we live for him. No longer do we live for ourselves. What are you going to live for Today. What about tomorrow? What's your weekly agenda? It's always Jesus top of the list. Whatever else you're doing flows from him. And Paul's got that right. I'm going to have to give an account. Jeremiah, who writes the book of Lamentation, thinking about the mess of Jer Jerusalem is destroyed. The walls are broken now. The temple's gone. And he's looking at the city and the gates are off their hinges. It's been burnt. And people are coming to look at Jerusalem, passing by. Oh, all ye that pass by, have you ever seen such a mess and such sorrow as this? Of course, there's a real picture there of Christ on Calvary. All ye that pass by. To Jesus, draw nigh. And I need to do that every day as a Christian. To me, is it nothing that Jesus should die? Said of John Wesley that he would keep heaven and hell before his eyes every day. The angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. When did you last see a sinner repenting and rejoice? With us, what's wrong? Keith Green's got a very haunting, challenging song, Asleep in the Light. What's the answer? Wake up. Wake up. Duncan Campbell, greatly used in revivals in the highlands and islands. The last big revival... On the, uh, in Britain was uh, on the Isle of Lewis, 1971. You can still hear accounts of the revival on the island of Lewis and what a, what a transformation took place on that uh, Scottish island. Duncan Campbell, greatly used in revivals. At one point, he's in a church, he's minister there, and the church is packed. At the end of the service, he's preached a powerful sermon, so he thought. His daughter comes to him and says, 
Daddy, why aren't people being saved anymore? What do you mean? The chapel's full. But Daddy, people used to come to you crying and asking, what should they do to be saved? It doesn't seem to happen anymore. Daddy, why aren't people being saved anymore? His wife said, Duncan, she's right. You get in your study and get right with, with God. And like a dutiful husband, he went in his study. And he prayed for something he doesn't recommend we should pray for. What, I don't know what you need or what I need. But Duncan Campbell prayed for a vision of hell. And people started to be saved again. What do you and I need? A fresh vision of Jesus. I saw a new vision of Jesus, a view I'd not seen here before. If I'm asleep in the light, I need the reality of Jesus. We're going to finish with a hymn in a moment. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Don't keep me near a creed. Don't keep me near a statement of faith. Don't keep me near the Bible. Don't keep me near preaching. Don't keep me near a video. Only so far as they'll keep me near to Christ, that through the creed or the confession or the statement or the Bible or the video, and I need to use those things, but I can make those things an end in and of themselves. I've done my bit. But my aim is that it brings me to Jesus Christ. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain Free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross be my glory ever. A final comment on the last two verses, then we'll, we'll close. But Herod, the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by John for Herodias, his brother's wife. You should not have your brother Philip's wife. And for all the other evil that Herod had done, added this to them all, he locked up John in prison. You might think, well, why did God allow that to happen? John's got such a powerful ministry. But John's very clear. He must increase, I must decrease. John has done his work. He's soon to go to glory. He loses his head. He's executed by Herod around about 27 AD. Well, my friend, it's now 2021, and where's John the Baptist been? Does he regret shining for Jesus? Certainly not. Our reward is not in this world. If you think it is, you'll go astray and your heart will cool. John 16, 33, in in this world, says Jesus, you will have tribulation. You'll go through the ups and downs of life. But fear not, he says, for I have overcome the world. Our light and momentary afflictions are soon eclipsed with glory. There is a day that all creation is waiting for when he will return. That's all that matters. And so I live my little life, me 63, you whatever age you might be, We're moving on a conveyor belt and eventually we'll drop off the end. And how long is my conveyor belt? Do I reach 64? I don't know. Do you reach your next birthday? I don't know. I do know this, your conveyor belt does end. And all that matters then is Jesus. That's all that should matter now. Don't lose sight of him. And if you have, wake up and come back to him and be passionate about him. Live your life for the son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a brief time in your word. We pray you challenge each of our hearts. We thank you for the ministry of John the Baptist and the example that's clearly there 
That torch taken up by the apostles and Paul and many down through the rolling centuries. May we take up that torch and bear that flame declaring that Jesus died and rose. Give us hearts, we pray, to pray for those who are lost, to pray for opportunities to witness for you. Give us hearts of compassion. Thank you that Jesus is compassionate and passionate about his church. To God be the glory, we pray.